0: Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life-balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ire. Well, hello and welcome back to Ire's on the Road. It's another week, another day.
1: It's a rainy day in Park City today. We, we woke up uh, in Salt Lake and drove up here and we're surprised to get a lot of rain and to feel the definite tinge of fall in the air. Change
0: of the seasons is coming, folks. Don't you get
1: excited about that? Doesn't it just feel a little, the slant of light's a little different, and the air feels a little different, and... You know, you hate to say goodbye to summer, but at the same
0: time, the leaves are turning. At the same time, it's been kind of a crazy long hot summer, the hottest summer in the history of the world. Uh, well, I can, no, I heard that, <laughs> that on TV. It may
1: be hyperbole. No, it
0: isn't. No, really? I heard okay. that on TV. Uh, in the whole world, it's never been hotter. Well, it's certainly been the case here. Oh, my goodness. I have never sweated so much in my life. And, you know, we've been spending a
1: lot of time this week worrying about some things and we want to share a couple of those worries with you, but we want to share maybe a perspective that may take the sting out of some of the worries. I don't know. Let's see where where they, where this goes today, but uh, yeah, we're worried about climate change. I mean, that ties in with what you're saying, Linda, with the, the heat of this summer and with things that are going on around the world and we're certainly worried about political division. Uh, we've been around quite a while, and we've been involved in politics for quite a while, and it's never been quite like it is today. There's never been such a deep divide.
0: Even just and saying climate change, you know, yeah, that, picks up that a lot of ears. triggers it. You yeah. can't,
1: you hardly say anything without triggering the divide. Even vaccination. <laughs>
0: Right, maybe especially a vaccination.
1: Although, did we tell that story about what the firefighters should have told the people that wouldn't evacuate?
0: Oh, I think it's worth. Uh, Go ahead. I don't know. Um, we uh, were here. I, I think we did tell a story, but I mean, we we're here right with the fire coming over. And we're right by Summit Park, which was the most dangerous spot of all. And there were some people there who
1: they would not evacuate. Would not
0: evacuate. They just they were hampering the firefighters that were trying to get in there. I mean, the, it was coming
1: over the they hill. They said, "Don't you get? Don't you take away my freedom and my rights by telling me I have to leave my home?" And, right. And somebody wrote in.
0: Somebody wrote in and <laughs> and said, "You just tell those people that if they don't get out of there, you're going to come in there and vaccinate them." <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, you might get the nuance of that little story. But uh, anyway, the point is, we have, you know, there's a lot of things to worry about in our world right now. There and, are. And uh, sometimes we feel that when you lift above it and, and sort of try to see certain things spiritually, and, and you know, that wouldn't work with everyone. That wouldn't even make sense to a lot of people. but. But sometimes in a spiritual paradigm or perspective, things are clearer and more easy to deal with than they are in a political. I mean, political, by definition, is sort of conflict-oriented, and and in in a way it's good. You need loyal opposition, and you need two sides to every issue and so on, but that doesn't help solve a lot of these issues, right?
0: No, it doesn't, and we're starting to feel the political pot stir up again already um, for the next round. We just talked to a friend last night who's thinking of running, and wow, it is really an amazing atmosphere that has never happened before. As we just passed through, you know, 9-11, we were just... Saying the and 20th thought anniversary. so often twentieth anniversary.
1: Well, yeah, and we've thought how that was a crisis that brought us together as a as a country. And oh,
0: everybody was so unified, and the world was on our side, and feeling so sorry for us. And
1: and those divisions just disappeared; they just evaporated. All of a sudden, a we were while. just a
0: big country of America that loved each other. And now, look mm-hmm. where we've come in twenty the, years.
1: Well, the COVID crisis did exactly the opposite just deepened the divide, but we're not here to talk politics. We're, let, let us share just kind of a, a thought that's kind of hard to verbalize, but you'll, you'll understand where we're going with this, that uh, we, we believe in our faith, as many of you listeners do, that there is a God who is not just all-powerful and all-knowing and all-sovereign. He is also a parental God. They are a parental God. We believe in heavenly parents. And you may say, well, what, is, what difference does that make? Well, we think it makes all the difference, actually.
0: It does. It makes all the difference. It allows
1: you to look at almost everything in a different vein, in a fresh vein. We've been writing some articles about this that some of you have been following and been good enough to comment on in in a publication called... Meridian magazine. <laughs> and let us read you just uh, the opening little note that goes at the top of these articles. It'll kind of give you an idea where we're coming from and then we'll we'll try to make a point about how sometimes we need to look at things from a spiritual vantage point rather than a political vantage point.
0: Well, this is a group of um, articles, 12 articles, and this is actually number 11
1: yeah but this but, but this is the little note that goes on right all of this them. is the introduction
0: right. to it the central thrust and thesis of this series is that our belief in literal heavenly parents changes everything and is the most pivotal pivotal and distinctive teaching of the restoration from which all other key theology stems if we are in if we are the spiritual children of heavenly parents then of course we live with them premortally of um, these, these series, this series seeks to organize what we know from prophetic and official church sources in a way that prompts personal pondering and prayer about our parental God and perhaps draws us closer even as it influences how we think and how we live our lives, particularly with our families.
1: And, then I, and I said, this is important to me. Because while I am not a theologian or a religious authority, I am one. And I'm putting it in the first person because I wrote this article, but we could say we are ones who believe deeply in eternal families and who have written and spoken about family topics around the world for more than four decades. And we believe that the ultimate example of marriage and parenting is our heavenly parents and and you know there's one part we skipped over there that that's pretty important because when we say we think this is the, this is the stem this is the the pivotal doctrine this is the trunk of the tree if you will from which all other theological or doctrinal things of importance really stem from this trunk of heavenly parents and for example, and you started on this a little bit, Linda. If if we really are, I mean, think of the logic or the reason or the beauty of this. If we if we are spiritual children of heavenly parents, then of course we lived with them in pre mortality. Of course, they have a plan for our happiness. Of course, we need to prioritize our own family like they prioritize theirs. Of course, there's a second chance of, of a spirit world or a place beyond this world where we can go. And so all of that just stems naturally from the idea, in other words, believing in a God who is sovereign, who is a king, who is all-powerful, that's, that's wonderful and true, certainly true in a way, but it doesn't reach our emotions or color our views in the same way that a parental God does heavenly parents that makes such a big difference in how we view everything even the issues of this world right
0: right and we don't know much about that we really accept that we do know we have parents we don't know much about our heavenly mother um, maybe more will be um, revealed as we go through life and, and history of the world but Right now we don't know much, but it is such a comfort to know that they are both there and that they love us.
1: So let's get it down to some of these really, really divisive issues and see if that theory holds up that that thinking about Heavenly Parents changes our view of things right down here on this temporal world. Um, let's read a little here to you.
0: So... Um, these are questions that have been asked to us, why is your church so pro-life and anti-choice? How come your family proclamation makes such a big deal about gender? Why are you against gay marriage? I, I think well and the
1: problem un- the problem is Linda, these questions often come with a degree of animosity and maybe a tinge of distrust. It's like people are what people are really asking us is, how can you be so unprogressive? How, how can you be so old-fashioned? How can you be so politically incorrect? And sometimes even, how can you be so unloving? Because you know, to someone that has a different paradigm, some of these these teachings on on gender or on, or on uh, the roles of men and women, or on um, uh, whether marriage should be between a man and a woman. They can sound exclusive and sort of rigid and sort of uncaring and intolerant and
0: unloving. Well, but I think that, I mean, there is not just a hard line there. There are some caveats for um, abortion. There are some caveats for, well, obviously there there are people who um, deal with gender in a very different way, and I, I think it's, Not a hard line.
1: Well, let's read a little further here.
0: Trying to deal with these questions and not have them negatively affect our relationships can be impossible when they are thought of as political positions or social issues. Only when others understand at least a little about our theology, about the eternal doctrines we believe, can we hope that they'll be able to accept and perhaps begin to understand why we feel as we do.
1: And the key doctrine they and we have to understand is that we believe in a parental God. Again, to, to stress a, a beautiful statement made by a member of the first presidency of our church, and we've come back to this little quote over and over in this series, it's so pithy, it's so to the point, point. and what President Oaks said was this, our theology begins with heavenly parents our highest aspiration is to be like them now that that is that's two little sentences but that is a mindful <laughs> that is a lot of, of a lot to think about the, the fact that we believe that we are literally the spirit children of a heavenly mother and a heavenly father now that begins to color everything that begins to suggest and and then when you add the others and 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 i love how he says that our theology begins with belief in a heavenly mother and heavenly father that that's the beginning that's the point from which we say therefore we believe in a premortal life therefore we believe in a spirit world after this life where where all things are equalized, where people that didn't get a chance to experience certain things, particularly family things on this earth, will still have that chance. That that's And, and you as a parent, if you're a listener who's a parent, you can begin, and this sounds audacious, but you can begin to almost understand God by uh, by realizing that, They are parents, too, and that they think about us the way we think of our children, that unconditional love, that ability to forgive, that hope for progress and continued growth and so on.
0: Yeah, but it's a little jarring to just say that we can be like them because that is so far in the future. So far in the future. It is so far off. Eternity is so long that um, we just have no idea how that's going to happen
1: but it does give us comfort on so many things i mean if you think of god as a parent then you realize that he has infinite tolerance for you and that he will give you second chances and that he you don't have to be perfect all the time he will he will always love you unconditionally right. no matter what
0: and it gives us a way to get out of our messes which is really nice <laughs>
1: But back to the point, it's impossible for others to even begin to grasp why we might take certain positions we do on certain issues that they think of as political until they understand, or, or if not understand, at least respect why we what we believe about the nature of God. And so, um, you know, we have to try to think about that and understand it. And after the break, Linda, let's come back and talk about some of these political quote-unquote issues and how they might look different if we viewed them spiritually.
0: All right, so we'll be right back. Hang in there. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to Iyer's On The Road. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And we're back. Thanks for staying with us. This is a fascinating topic, and the, our greatest wish is that you could be there on the other side of our screen. And we can and be talk watching you, no, looking that, in that your that eyes. You can talk with us yeah, and see, give us and feedback. See how you feel, yeah.
1: And an interesting thing happened as we were writing this particular article.
0: Um, so Richard said, just this morning, as I was finish, finishing this article, I paused for a moment to read emails. One of which was the daily meditation I'd like to follow from Father Richard Rohr, whom we both love too. Um, He said, Your image of God creates you. This is why it's important that we see God as loving and benevolent and why good theology still matters. One mistaken image of God that keeps us from receiving grace is the idea that God is a cruel tyrant. People who have been raised in an atmosphere of threats of punishment and promises of reward are programmed to operate with this cheap image of a punitive God. It usually becomes their entire view of the universe. Isn't that so interesting? It is so interesting. And there's so many people who in the past have come from a theology that um, this is an all-powerful God who is just waiting for us to make a mistake so that he can mend out. Um, punishment, And it is such the opposite.
1: And we would even add to what Richard Rohr says, that our image of God also creates our views and our perspectives and even our positions on societal and political issues. Interestingly, and I think a bit ironically, Linda, telling others about the beginning of our theology, this belief in a parental God, uh, and, and Heavenly Parents, it's not only the most important thing we can do to differentiate our faith from, from other views, other religious views, but I, I really think it's also the most effective way we can explain some of these political positions. Um, in a nutshell, we think about abortion, about gender, about marriage, and about ourselves. In a way that branches from and connects to who and what we believe God is.
0: If God really is, or if really are—you do the plural—our parents, and if we are all, if we all lived as His sons and daughters before this world, then we must respect the procreational gift He's given us to bring others to our spiritual siblings, of our spiritual siblings into the world, and our institutions and our principles. Political and otherwise must respect this faith and follow the model, the pattern, and the example that God himself has set for us.
1: So so few may agree with and adopt our faith, but but many will respect it and better understand why we take the positions we do. I'm thinking of a, a time, a specific time, but it's happened many times to, to us, Linda, where someone has said, Well, you know, why are you so... Why are you so against abortion? Or, or, or more often someone will say, well, you know, a woman will say, uh, who are you or who is, who is a faith, who, what, who is a religion to tell me what I can and can't do with my own body? And, you know, we, we, what we want them to understand is, look, if you, if you understand where we're coming from, that we think the children that are born to us are literally our spirit brothers and sisters who came from a pre-mortal world where we all once lived, then that will cause you to think about bringing a child into the world very differently. And it will cause you perhaps to think about ending a pregnancy in a different way because of who we believe that spirit is that's coming to the world. Now, you were good to say, Linda, of course there are caveats and we want to be reasonable, and there are times when abortion is not only appropriate, but the proper and best thing to do. Yeah. But, but yeah. as a general rule, how would, you, how would you expect, I've said this to people, how, how would you expect me not to be pro-life when I believe that these are spirit siblings of ours coming from the same place we used to live, with our heavenly parents people may roll their eyes and say wow that's a lot to handle that's what you believe that's crazy that's something I've never thought of before but at least they would respect our position on why we would have to think about abortion or being pro-life in a little in a more spiritual way than a political way
0: right but this is a very deep question that involves a lot of personal personal issues that we don't know about so Um, Think think
1: about it as a parent, though, for a minute. Think
0: about something we call tough love. You know, most parents understand the concept of tough love, wherein we love our children completely and unconditionally, but are motivated by that love to set strict boundaries and to lay down guidelines and to expect a certain level of obedience and respect.
1: Isn't that what all parents do? All conscientious parents, they love their kids unconditionally, but they, they want them to... They, they want them to do what will make them happy, and so they set standards and rules and laws. and
0: Which is one of the biggest yeah. problems in our families today. I was right. just talking with a friend this week at breakfast, yesterday actually, saying the biggest problem that these parents have with this beautiful family is that the children are so naughty. I mean, adult children yeah. are still no, expecting they things. They They are really uh they weren't raised with tough love they were not raised with tough love with parameters with responsibilities and and these are church members and it really is creating havoc for them later in their life
1: absolutely so so think of that in 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 other words we, we love each of our children fully as parents and deeply but we do not always love what they do let's be honest we we draw on our own experience and wisdom we try to ask them to do what we think will ultimately make them happy and we try to dissuade them from any behavior that we think will bring unhappiness and limit their progress and potential life. that's just what a parent does and so said another way we differentiate between who we love and what we condone just because we love our child doesn't mean we condone everything they do and 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 Christ, of course, is the ultimate example of that, of loving everyone, but, but being firm about what they should and shouldn't do. Right. And, and which leads us to this, this talk that Elder Jeffrey Holland of our church gave recently at BYU. And I think he was simply trying to explain that, that, that we have to differentiate between who we love and what we do. And yet, he got a lot of criticism for it because he used some metaphors that people didn't like, and many thought that he was uh, that that it was a talk that was that was uh, discriminatory, uh, particularly toward uh, gay people. And and I don't think it was because we know Elder Holland and we know how much he loves everyone. But this is the thought that came to us. Take it for what it's worth. and this is not Euler Holland's thought, this is the thought I had after listening to his talk, uh, I said this, perhaps the second best answer to the question of why we define marriage as between a man and a woman, the second best explanation or answer for that would be because that is what we believe God tells us through his prophets. But the first best answer, think about this differentiation, The first best answer may be because that is what we believe God is. It's not just he tells us marriage is between a man and a woman. He is our Heavenly Father and our Heavenly Mother. He is telling us to follow
0: who he is. Your pronoun is a little confusing. Yeah, He is our Father and and our Mother. They are our Father and Mother. Oh, it's so, it's going to be so interesting, don't you think? When we get on the other side, do you think we'll figure it out right away? Or is it still going to take eternities to figure out how all this fits together? Because it's so confusing, and there's so many good people with really strong opinions um, otherwise.
1: Well, and we have this beautiful thing in our church called the Proclamation on the Family. I think it's 25 years old now, isn't it, Linda?
0: Yeah, 20 years. I think we just 20 passed or 25
1: years. years old, and uh, and and we're getting a lot of criticism for it now because people who read it in a political way—again, that's the point—if they read it politically, they can say, "Whoa, this document is homophobic," or "This document is xenophobic," or "This document is sexist." But it's because they're not looking at it in a spiritual vein.
0: Um, Richard writes belief in God as the heavenly parents of all spirits both here and in the premortal life also helps with explaining other positions which outside of this paradigm can seem narrow and judgmental
1: I remember one sincere acquaintance who knew very little about the church and he'd read he'd read this document and uh, you know he just he just didn't understand it he just didn't get it and uh, I was trying, um, well, let me just say it this way. I, I've loved this document for 20 years, and, and I find it remarkable how the things it advocates have been backed up by data. I mean, it basically, what the proclamation is saying is this is the best way to live, this family-centered sort of lifestyle And and now we live 20 years later, and we know societally children who are fortunate enough to be raised by both their parents achieve more educationally and professionally. They're less likely to suffer a whole host of problems. They're more likely to have successful marriages and families of their own. Economically, married persons uh, statistically produce more, earn more, and save more. Culturally, in public opinion polls, intact families report more satisfaction, less anxiety, less depression. Uh, You know, the data just sort of, and, and we know a lot of people who aren't religious, but who have just discovered for themselves, Linda, I'm thinking of a lot of our speaking audiences, that married with children in an intact committed family is just simply the happiest most productive best way to live now does that mean someone who's single or someone who lives a different lifestyles a bad person or is or inferior a gay in gay some way? Or, or a gay lifestyle or a gay lifestyle no with
0: children no
1: no yeah. it doesn't mean that but it just the, the data sort of shows that generally that's the way to live and and so i had a friend that read the the proclamation on the family and said, how can you, I mean, it sounds so, so prejudiced to me. And it was only after I explained my belief in heavenly parents and that we're trying to be like them. We're trying to model our family after what we believe theirs is. Then he, you know, he didn't suddenly convert to the church, but he understood you know why that document was important and it's a carefully worded document i mean it says it says things like you know uh, the the roles of father and mother uh, can be very different and maybe should be but not that they're not interchangeable and 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 it stresses that a father and mother need to be and a husband and wife need to be equal partners In in everything
0: yeah absolutely
1: so, and then you get to the religious part of it, and, and here's the really unique thing, Linda. We, well, you, you can say it better than I do, but we think there's something beyond salvation, and we call it exaltation.
0: I can't explain it well. <laughs> any better, because um, it is different. And um, every, the nice thing is we know everyone will be saved, and that's the great thing. But if going beyond that... We can become exalted.
1: This unique belief we have, and, and exaltation is our word. It doesn't occur in other religious theology, but exaltation, returning to God and being a little more like Him. And maybe that's where I want to end, Linda, and then you have the last word that we say, well, why did we come to earth from a pre-mortal life? Well, to become more like our parent, more like God. How do we become more like God? Well, the best answer, I think, to that question is when we become parents, we begin to understand a little bit better the parental love that God has for us.
0: Absolutely. It's a great puzzle, but it's kind of fun to contemplate. Thanks for hanging with us today. We appreciate you so much, and we hope to see you again next time on Ayers on the Road.
1: Bye-bye.